And take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 14 this morning. John chapter number 14. I love the book of John. It's really one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I enjoy every time we have an opportunity to, to preach from it. Uh, but you'll probably hear me talk about the next book very similar to that also. But I do love the book of John. We're going to start this uh, little, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit or, uh, uh, or the Holy Ghost, depending on what translation you have. In fact, the Spirit of God is mentioned over 800 times in Scripture, I am told. In fact, it's mentioned in the very beginning. Look in your notes this morning at Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2. <clears throat> it says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, and that's right from the very beginning in the Word of God, we see the Holy Spirit. Look at this next slide. As a matter of fact, the New Testament, the Greek word that's translated as spirit is the word pneuma. It means wind, a current of air, uh, a blast of breath, or spirit. In the Old Testament times, what would happen is many times the Spirit of God would actually descend upon people for a time and then leave them, right? Sometimes the Spirit of God would be on somebody for a purpose in a season. Sometimes the Spirit of God would be on somebody and then they would sin in such a way that the Spirit of God would leave them. Now, of course, we know in, uh, uh, I mean, you think about the example of King Saul, the Spirit of God was on him mightily, but the Spirit of God left Saul. You even see it in the life of David. You remember uh, the Spirit of God was on David. And then when he committed that sin and everything with Bathsheba, look what he, look what, David, oh no, it's not in your notes, I'm sorry. But David said to God, please don't take your spirit from me. In the Old Testament, we can see the Spirit of God coming upon somebody and leaving somebody. In the New Testament, though, uh, once Jesus left, he sent us his Holy Spirit, and, and he also promised for those believers in Christ that once we have the Holy Spirit, he's never, ever, ever going to leave us or forsake us. In the New Testament, you can see the Holy Spirit uh, in a couple of different ways. You see him descending upon Jesus like a dove. You see him on the day of Pentecost, uh, empowering them to speak in other tongues and do all these miraculous works. You see the people, uh, the Holy Spirit empowering people with spiritual gifts in the New Testament. You see uh, the fruits of the Spirit, and the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, which I lost some of that self-control last night there for about five minutes beginning football game. Anyway, that's beside the point. So many people, so many Christians, so many Baptists live a spiritless life. Life. Now, I don't mean they don't have the Holy Spirit, but God wants us to live a life that is spirit-filled and spirit-powered, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and I heard about the Holy Ghost, it, it kind of weirded me out, man. I was a little kid, and uh, I understood God the Father. That made sense. I, I had a father. I've seen fathers. God the Son, that even kind of made sense. I was a son. I could kind of grasp that. But the Holy Ghost, I'm not sure, right? Ghosts always seem like something that you didn't want to come across. They weren't a positive thing. I mean, just weird. And to be honest with you, in my experience, whenever I heard that a church was really, really, really into the Holy Ghost, they seemed a little weird to me. I'm just being honest. And there would be people with, there'd be ladies with buns and tambourines, Amen. I'm talking about my mama's church, y'all, okay? 
This is my personal experience, right? And they would say that someone got the Holy Ghost. Oh, Sister Sandra got the Holy Ghost. Well, where'd she get it? And what's she going to do with it now she got it? And shouldn't somebody let the Holy Ghost go? I'm being serious. I didn't understand as a kid. I mean, again, I was just a kid. But what happens today is in 2018, the pendulum swings too far. The pendulum swing way over here where we're way into the Holy Ghost and not so much the Father and the Son. And we forget that the Holy Spirit wants to exalt Jesus and we end up believing Jesus out of everything. And then on the other side is way over here where we never talk about the Holy Spirit. We never talk about the Spirit of God and we act like he's not actually part of the Trinity. And we don't want to do either one of those two things because both extremes are absolutely Wrong. What we want to do is get a biblical understanding on exactly who the Holy Spirit is and what role the Holy Spirit plays in the life of believers. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with Jesus. And Jesus is explaining, always a good place to start, amen, Andrew, with Jesus. But he's explaining uh, to his disciples that he's going to send somebody to help them. John chapter 14 and verse 16, let's look at it in your Bible, says this. He says, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you. Forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, first thing I want to notice here is that the Holy Spirit's not an it. We, I don't know. I know I've called the Holy Spirit it before in my life. Well, Holy Spirit, it. I may mess up and do it in this message, okay? If I do that during this message, you can just throw your Bible at me, Amen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Somebody's going to take me up on that. I am kidding. The Holy Spirit is a him. It's the third person of God in the Trinity. Very literally, God in spirit form. God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to be a helper. Look at this next slide. This is the, where we get the word from. Periclete, Perikletos. He's our advocate. He's our helper. Uh, he's our intercessor. Uh, para, uh, uh, para in, in Greek means alongside. Cleat means called. He's called alongside, except Jesus tells us that he's going to be inside of us. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the one that intercedes and prays for you. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's your advocate before God the Father. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. And he's all of these things. And Christ Jesus promised that we will have him. And when I think about a choice, though, I'm going to be honest, I'm going back to being a boy again. But when I think about a choice between Jesus in the flesh or the Holy Ghost, I'm tilting towards Jesus. In, the flesh. in my mind, Jesus says, he goes, it'll be better for you that I leave. I'm going to send you this helper, the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. And I'm thinking in my mind, I think I'd kind of rather have Jesus. Right? Think about it for a minute. Wouldn't you? I mean, honestly. I mean, how awesome would it be you walking around with Jesus, right? And you get a headache. Jesus, my head hurts. Boom, no more headache. Well, isn't that awesome? Right, your dog gets run over. Jesus, Jesus, my dog got run over. Fido's dead. And Jesus is like, boom, and Fido's alive. Your cat gets run over. You're like, Jesus, Jesus, my cat got run over. And Jesus looks at your cat and goes, eh. <laughs> you had to have seen that one coming. I'm kidding. <laughs> All the cat lovers. Okay, listen. <laughs> but as a 
child, as a young person, Jesus in the flesh seemed like so much better than the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is going to show us that it's actually better for us that we have the Holy Spirit than him walking around among us. Uh, Look at John chapter 16, verse 7. It's an amazing promise. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Literally, God's presence in your heart, in your life, God inside of you. And he can be with every believer everywhere all the time. Jesus, when he contained himself to that human flesh, could only be in one place at one time. Now with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's with every believer everywhere all the time. It's better for us. So what exactly does the Holy Spirit of God do in the life of the believer? When you look at many Christians around the world today and around our country, what you often see uh, who are people who profess to be believers in Christ, they don't look any different than the world, right? The same values, the same everything is the same. They're still bound to the same sin as the world is bound to. You see Christians whose prayer life is basically flat or not existent at all. You see people who are afraid and struggling and gripped by fear and worry and things uh, that Christ has called us above. We believe in Jesus, but if we're being honest, many of our lives don't have any real spiritual power about them at all. And why is that? Because so many are living what I'm calling the spiritless life. They're, living, they're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants his children to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-equipped life of victory in Christ Jesus. So why is it that so many, that's not how you would describe people. There are many believers. You would not describe them as spirit-empowered, spirit-equipped, living in that victory that Christ Jesus has won for us. Why is that? Number one, write this down. A lot of folks just simply do not know. I mean, just cut them some slack. They don't know. They're not sure. They've heard about the Holy Spirit. They just don't know what he does. They don't know. And there's this interesting story. Look at it in your notes. In Acts chapter 19, I really like this story, actually. Acts chapter 19 and verse number 1, it says this. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples. Now, I want you to hear this. These disciples, uh, these were disciples of John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist was like, hey, the Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. You need to repent, be baptized, trust the Messiah. He's coming. And these guys said, doggone right. And they went off to tell other people, hey, the Messiah's coming. You need to repent of your sin, be baptized, trust in the Messiah. The Messiah's coming. Well, they took off. Meanwhile, the Messiah done came. And went. They're out here still preaching. The Messiah's coming. You better trust the Messiah. The Messiah's coming. And then Paul comes across these guys and he begins to talk to them. And look what look what he said. He said, and, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't know. They simply did not know. Uh, They're saying we heard about Jesus and we knew about John the Baptist and we understood the the gospel, but we didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. We don't know anything about them. And there are many of you this morning, if we're to give a little pop quiz here, you know, like reach under your seat and pull out that quiz and answer these five questions, you may not score so well if we're quizzing you on the Holy Spirit. Many people just don't know. And it's not intentional. 
They just don't know. They're ignorant. And so uh, maybe you've heard of him, but maybe you just don't understand anything about him. Have you ever been caught just not knowing something? Isn't that the worst part of eating at a new restaurant you've never ate at before? Specifically, any kind of foreign restaurant. You know what I'm saying? Like an Asian restaurant. And you look at the menu and you're like, man, where's the chicken tenders? Amen. Because I don't know what's on this menu. I had a guy that I worked with one time, good old country boy, big old guy, just, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy, but he literally had never eaten out in a restaurant his whole life. And uh, he, the, the lady he's married to now, it was their first date, so he was going to take her to a fancy restaurant. And so he went to take her out somewhere to eat, and he already knew, I'm just going to order a steak and a baked potato. Like he knew enough, right? I'm going to order a steak. This is a true story. I mean, he'd eaten fast food and stuff, but he never sat down in a, in a sit down and order a restaurant and ordered a meal before. And so the waiter comes, what would you like? Well, I want the whatever steak and I want a baked potato. And then the, the waiter says, well, how do you want that steak? He looked that waiter right in the eye and said, on a plate? <laughs> Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Is that right? You don't know. Sometimes you're just ignorant. Christians all over the world are going through life without the power, without the victory, without the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit of God. That very same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available for every believer. He will fill you, direct you, comfort you, guide you, counsel you, convict you, empower you. It's available. But so many are unaware of the power and the presence of God in their life. And part of it's ignorance, part of it's willful ignorance. Number two, write this down. Many people, they know, but they just resist. They know, they know the Holy Spirit. They sense the Holy Spirit. They know the Holy Spirit's with them. But they absolutely resist the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They know, but they're resisting. That could be many of you. The Holy Spirit has prompted you if you're a believer, and he's led you to do something, and you feel this prompting, this leading, I need to do this, and then you don't do it because you don't want to. You know, but you resist. Or you're about to do something that's not right. You know it's not right. The Holy Spirit's saying, that ain't right. And you say, I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And you just push the Holy Spirit away. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do something good, give something to someone, bless someone, and you push that away. And you say, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, some of you, you've, res you've resisted the Holy Spirit so long, you don't even recognize the, the, the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life anymore because you've said no so many times. Look at Stephen in the New Testament, a very young, courageous, bold believer man. Love Stephen. He's, he's uh, preaching at the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the time, and he's giving them the good old-fashioned what for right before they're going to stone him to death. Listen to what he said in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He says to the Sanhedrin, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You're doing it just like your dad. By the way, that's why we emphasize the role of fathers here at Grace Baptist Church. We recognize the impact that fathers have in the life of their children. There's so many believers today, they resist, they've hardened their heart to the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because their daddy did too. But anyway, he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You never listen to the Holy Spirit. And some of us this morning, you might have been resisting the Holy Spirit for so long that you've hardened your heart against the voice of God. I've learned through failures in my life to try to not harden my heart against the Holy Spirit, to respond when the Holy Spirit is prompting me. 
Somebody might ask, well, Brother Marcus, how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit talking to you and it's not just you, right? Like yesterday, right before the football game, it wasn't the Holy Spirit that told me to order that Domino's, amen? Me. All me. Listen, but it, it's true, though. Like, some, is this the Holy Spirit? Is this, or is this just something that I'm wanting to do? Listen, I think we would acknowledge that most humans are fairly selfish by nature. So here's how I can, here's, here's one, Holy Spirit 101. If it's something that's going to benefit me, help me, give me something that I'm wanting, I'm just going to assume that's me. But if it's going to help somebody else, if it's going to glorify God, I just assume that's the Holy Spirit. That's just kind of how I navigate through that on the most basic level ever. But when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we just absolutely uh, uh, harden our hearts against God. I mean, if I'm, you know, if I'm convicted to not do something that I know is wrong, then I assume that's the Holy Spirit. If I feel like God's wanting me to do something good for somebody, I just assume that's the Holy Spirit. And if I'm wrong, then I just did something good. Or what's the, what's the harm in that? The worst thing that happened is that God's glorified. That's always good. I can't tell you how many times in my life, I mean, just making a phone call or something. You think about somebody and you're like, hey, I'm going to call so-and-so up. And then you call them and then they're just like, man, I'm glad you called. Bah, 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 bah. Holy Spirit. Don't harden your hearts to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Sometimes he may want you to do something. You do it. Don't harden your heart. When you do, you can actually grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy... Okay, let's imagine it's like this. Ladies, imagine you've got this girlfriend, and she's your BFF. Along <laughs> with the other 20 BFFs you have, okay? And um, you're like, girl, it is time for a girl's night out. Let's go to Fujiyama's and get something to eat. It's going to be good. Let's go. And then she's like, no. She's like, oh, I'd love to. It'd be so good. And I really want to, but I can't. Okay. Girl, it's Saturday lunch. Let's go get some lunch. We're going to talk. It's going to be some girl. I need to talk to you. Oh, I really want to, but no. Girl, listen, we can't listen. Well, why don't we come? Let's go stop by Starbucks and get some coffee. We ain't, I ain't seen you in three months. Oh, I really want to, but no. How long are you going to keep asking? How many times are you going to be told no before you stop asking? Right? As a pastor, sometimes when you try to visit some people, and, and like they seem like they want you to visit with them and do that, and you try one, two, three, four times, eventually you go, got the hint, and you just stop trying. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is not going to push himself into your life. He's not going to push himself onto you. And if you say no to the Holy Spirit, no to the Holy Spirit, no to the Holy Spirit enough times, he's going to stop knocking on that door. The Holy Spirit wants what is best for you, and the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. How does the Holy Spirit minister to you? Number one, write this down. He comforts you. The comfort of the Holy Spirit, 
The Holy Spirit is called a comforter, and he'll comfort you when you're hurting. John 14, verse 16 says, And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. This is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. There are those of you right now, there's those of you here this morning, you've gone through difficult, hard times, maybe physical, maybe spiritual, maybe emotional, whatever it is, you've been through things, and you can testify to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, comforting you when you're going through that difficult time. He can comfort you with that peace that goes beyond all understanding. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Number two, write this down. He also counsels. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. He'll direct you. He's your counselor. He's your guide. You don't know what to do, and he can direct you. John 16, verse 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. You don't know what to do, so you just start praying. Lord, Holy Spirit, give me your direction. Give me your wisdom. Give me your discernment. Those of you who are aware of the Spirit's voice and presence in your life, you live different than everybody else. You can go through your day and, and spiritually sensitive to the needs of others. And you recognize people. Lord, just, hey, Lord, bless her. Lord, help him. Walking in the Spirit. It's a constant awareness of the Spirit of God guiding you, the Spirit-filled life. He's your counselor. He'll guide you. I love this picture. It's one of my favorite. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. That's the Holy Spirit of God guiding you, right? Directing you. The voice of the Spirit. He will comfort you and he will counsel you. And number three, write this down. He will also convict you. The Holy Spirit convicts. John 16 verse 8 says, and when he has come, he will convict the word of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In fact, even today, there are those of you, maybe you're here this morning, you've already been convicted by sin in your life, and I'm just talking about the Holy Spirit. There may be something in your life that God is dealing with you about, and that's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. And don't ignore it. Don't harden your heart against the Spirit of God. I haven't even mentioned it, but you know what it is, and God knows what it is. Some of you, maybe you're being drawn to God, and you're not even sure what's going on. Maybe you're not even really a church, churchy-type person, and you're just being drawn to God. That's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I think about my life. You know who the, the person that drew me the most towards God is? The Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit that had that 10-year-old boy behind the couch reading his Bible every day. There was nobody else telling me to do it. This is the Holy Spirit of God. This is the Holy Spirit of God. Even when I was so far out of the will of God, I couldn't have seen the will of God with a telescope, okay? There was the Holy Spirit that drew, drew me and brought me back. And the beautiful thing, it's beautiful, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that God loves you enough that he'll guide you and counsel you and convict you and help you to be in fellowship with him. And the Holy Spirit is there with you, but you have a choice. You can surrender to the Holy Spirit or you can fight it off. But let me warn you, don't fight him off too long because you don't want your heart to grow hard to that gentle, loving voice. It's like that verse just a moment ago. It's a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Many times the Holy Spirit isn't going to shout and scream into your life. It's going to be a gentle voice, almost a whisper saying, that's not good, or that's good. You don't want to turn a deaf ear to the voice of God. God the Father loves you so much that he sent God the Son. And God the Son came and lived that perfect sinless life. And then he went to that cross and he died. And on the 
Third day, he was resurrected. After that, he ascended to his Father in heaven. And Jesus loved you so much, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, so that you can be empowered to live a life that would honor and please your Heavenly Father. Is that your desire this morning? To honor and please your Heavenly Father? I hope so. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that your Spirit would do what your Spirit does. Lord, that you would encourage us where we need encouragement, that you would give us counsel and wisdom where we need it. And God, that you would convict us, convict us, Lord, where we need that as well. Lord, we're grateful that the Holy Spirit is present here with us and among us. God, we're just asking that you'll do a work that only you can do. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. You keep praying. Some of you are going to recognize this morning that you're doing life pretty much apart from the Spirit of God. That if you examine the last week of your life, the last two weeks, the last month, the last however long, if you really examined your life, you would have to admit, you know what? I'm saved. I'm a believer. I've trusted Christ, but I am pretty much doing this on my own, my own strength, my own power. If you're being completely honest, you would have to say, man, my life isn't exactly spirit-filled. I don't see a lot of spiritual power. I don't see a lot of victory. The fruits of the Spirit. And that's your prayer this morning. Just a simple step of surrender. Lord, I just want a more spirit-filled life. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up so I can pray for all of us. God bless you all over the sanctuary. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you for those who have a spiritual hunger in this church. Lord, and I pray that you would do that filling of the Holy Spirit, that we may be led by you. And Lord, I just pray that in the days ahead, as we surrender more and more to you and we walk awareness of your Spirit in our life, that we would live in that awareness, in your presence, that we will seek your guidance, that we would seek your comfort. Lord, that we would say everything that you want us to say, do everything that you've called us to do. Lord, don't say what we're not supposed to say. and Don't do what we're not supposed to do. Lord, we surrender to your Holy Spirit so that we can live a life that will bring glory and honor to you. As you keep praying this morning, every head bowed, every eyes closed, the beautiful thing right now is in a moment just like this, the Holy Spirit can be speaking to you and drawing you to him. Because you look at your life, you know there's no spiritual victory in your life, and you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Because you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not really done it. Intellectually, you believe in God. But practically, you live your life as if he does not exist. You can't say that he's Lord because he's not. And the Holy Spirit this morning is saying, trust Jesus. Look up for just a second. There's this verse in the book of Acts that I just absolutely love. Look at this next slide. Look at this verse. I want this to be true about me. I want it to be true about you. Acts eleven twenty four says, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. And of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit 
and faith. I want that to be true about me in my life. Is that what you want to be true about you in your life? Oh, she's a good woman. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Good man. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith. Is that what you want? I bet if we took a survey, everybody in here would say, yes, that's what I want. But the bad news is you're not good enough. You can't be a good man on your own, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. The Holy Spirit's only available to people who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, repented, turned from their sin. The grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, through His life, death, His resurrection, that's the only way that you can even begin to have a verse about you like this. A good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So how do you do it? Peter, on the day of Pentecost, said this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He laid out the whole, the whole crucifixion. He explained to him, here's what you did to Jesus. Here's what you did to the Son of God. And the people cried out, well, what can we do? How can we be saved? Acts 2, 38. Peter said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But number one, the Holy Spirit's a gift. A gift. You can't take it. It has to be given. And it's only given to those who repent and turn from their sin and trust Christ Jesus to save them. Is that you this morning? Let's pray one more time.